family, as was already said, that in the trepidation that David must have felt, bending down to pick up five smooth stones, hearing in the background the cry of the enemy saying, I have you, you're mine, who are you, dog? The enemy's wisdom didn't hold a candle then, it doesn't hold a candle now. Any title in front of our names and any letters after our names mean nothing to the majesty of a God who created all things, all creatures, all creatures under our God and King. So Lord, I pray that you continue doing what you're doing here today. Lord, this is amazing. I can't wait to continue worshiping here with my church family and all God's people said, amen. Please stay standing for the reading of God's word as I invite Kim up to read for us. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understandings, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb, and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen. Thank you very much, Kim. I appreciate that. You may have a seat. If you are new to our church here, and, and this is something you've never seen before, well, get ready, because this is what we do every Sunday. And uh, Doug isn't here, so I could take some liberty by re, yeah, woohoo, right? I get to reassign what we're gonna do. Um, I've decided as an elder, and I have another elder here who has literally no idea what I'm gonna say next, that it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna start a second service, we're gonna do a Saturday night service. They're looking at me going, what are you talking about, right? Here's the thing, right? When you start talking about the things that Adam and Audra opened us up with, when you start talking about anchoring your life on the wisdom of the Word of God, Things change. Things happen. And I wasn't going to go even there, but I'm not even, I didn't even plan to go where I'm going next now. But yesterday I was part of a group where I had met some guys years and years ago. I was teaching a class in 2018 at my second office at the Panera. And um, we were going through some book studies. We were talking about experiencing God. We were talking about um, just a lot of different things. And these men started coming and asking questions. Well, what does it mean to get deeper with God? And so we just started talking about these things. And then one, one guy said, hey, why don't you come over to my house? And then every month we'll do something. And so that, as guys do, we were really excited about something and it fizzled out. Um, but then we started doing once a quarter. And then this guy said, hey, you know what? Let's have, let's have a time where all first responders can come and be redeemed and just get rid of all the trauma that we see. For those of you who don't know, I've been a police officer and in law enforcement for over 24 years, and that was necessary. And so we started sharing our lives together as men, and then we brought our families into this. Well, yesterday, this guy had contacted me a month or two ago and said, what do you think if we get like a men's breakfast together? Which, by the way, guys, I want to see happen here. So listen to what happened yesterday. 25 guys showed up down in Goodyear. 25 guys showed up in Goodyear, most of whom I knew. I was predictably wearing my pink flamingo shirt. I was going to talk about truth. And it was amazing because at some point, some guy walks in. And for those of you who remember Lou Diamond Phillips in the old movie Stand and Deliver, remember that? He, his hair is slicked back. 
And he's got the brown chinos with the crease there, and he's got the white hard shell shoes, and he's like, this? right? And this guy walks in. He could have been his father. He walks in. He just looks at us like this, and he goes, I don't even know why I'm here. And he sits down, and that was the opening, right? So I had about 15 minutes. I was talking about truth and why God's word is truth. And you hear a lot about that today. And so we, we were talking through this thing, and he keeps looking around, and I'm and I'm just, I was on one yesterday, man. I had already had like six or seven cups of coffee. So that's like a normal caffeinated Jeff. And so we're talking about things and we're getting after it. And I end us in prayer. And this old boy looks up and he says, man, you really spoke to me. As if he and I were the only person in the room. Like, this is a big thing. And here's what he says. He says, you know, I've been married for two years, but I was thinking about leaving my wife this weekend. I was thinking about leaving my wife this weekend because I hadn't really seen that there's any purpose in my marriage. And there really wasn't any purpose in my life. And as I explained in, in, the, in my little message yesterday, that there's truth and there's purpose in the wisdom of God. And we're going to unpack that today. And so these brothers all started sharing stories, and you would have thought that we were just some, some prayer revival. This was supposed to be a 90-minute deal. 90 minutes, I was there at 7 a.m. At 10.30, we walked out, hugging as if we had known each other our whole lives, these people from different backgrounds, but found it on the word of God. And so that's my challenge today. My challenge today is to show you like, like a buoy anchored in the ocean that you can see from a distance. This buoy is there, and that's my job. And that's your job. If you have the spirit of God inside of you, we are anchored to something that you may not be able to see under the water. But we are anchored and firm in that one spot. So I don't know what that touched you guys the way it touched me, but I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to run today. So if you need a Bible, we're going to be in the Word of God today. That's, like Adam said, where we're grounded on. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Valerie, Scott, some people can get up and get you a Bible. It's yours to keep if you want to keep that. We want God's Word in the hands of everybody. So as Kim ended the verse, I, you guys understand, right? we could talk about Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. All day, not just here. We could, I mean, if you understood what he's talking about there, when Solomon writes this down and what God impels him to write, and the individual words, what they actually mean in the original language, it blows your mind. But we're not going to spend all day doing that. We're not going to spend all day doing that. In fact, I rewrote this message two or three times. I'm going to tell you why. Because verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, as, as Doug would say, we had an old pastor, and when we were at West Valley Bible, Skip asked, would say, the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? He would say, the fear of the Lord is a healthy dread of displeasing God. It's a healthy dread of walking out of obedience from God, and that's important. So the message I've titled today is the wisdom from God, but the only way we can get God's true wisdom is not by reading Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Would you agree that God's wisdom is here? Right? And so when I started thinking more about this through the week, I started thinking, like, I can't just, when I said yesterday, I said to guys, when you think about God's wisdom, what book would you go to? And everybody's like, Proverbs. And I said, what about the Bible? How about the whole book? How about the whole canon of Scripture? How about the Old Testament? How about the New Testament? How about as I prayed originally, looking at King David as a shepherd boy, relying upon something? How about looking at the resurrection of Christ in the New Testament? How about steeping ourselves in all of God's word. So that's where I want to be today. So we're going to cover the whole Bible. We have 40 minutes. Ready, go. 
So we start with this idea that the fear of the Lord, a healthy dread of displeasing God is the beginning of knowledge, and fools would despise this wisdom. The Bible does say, when it talks about itself in Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God, this word of God, is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we read that, and maybe you don't think about it, when it talks about the spirit, then he talks about the flesh, and then he talks about the heart, which is indicative a lot in Scripture of the soul. And so you start looking at what this means. It, it, again, if you start thinking through this, I, I want to bring us right here. In your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy 4. I told you we're going to start in the beginning. <laughs> Deuteronomy 4. I'm going to read to you a couple things. This is, here's the deal. This is the charge that Moses was giving the people that God gave him. This is why God's wisdom... Wisdom, the application of the knowledge learned for the people of Israel is so critical. I want you to see how it develops. And we're going to start at the beginning of the Bible. Now, here's what it says. I'm going to read verses, uh, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read us all the way through verse 6. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I'm teaching you to perform, so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. You shall not add to the word which I'm commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who follow Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land that you're entering to possess. So keep and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So this is the word of God. And, you know, we're not even talking about what would people look at the United States and say, this is a nation of wise and understanding people. And that should sadden you. But why does Moses start there? Why does Moses give people this charge? He's reminding them. The book of Deuteronomy, really, if you were in that Old Testament class, you know what it means, second law. Well, Moses is just telling the people of Israel that wandered for 40 years not getting this wisdom, right? He's reminding them, you need to, they're, they're right back at the same spot they started. When God moved them around for 40 years, they're back at the same spot. The parallels in our own lives, it just speaks to me hugely. They're back in the same spot. And Moses is saying everything that he needed to say with that. God knew that we needed help. And that if we disregarded his law, Moses is saying that you're going to walk a different path. But if you follow his law, you're going to have wisdom through the ages. And this message of the wisdom of God should be called, you see on the screen, wisdom is knowledge applied. That's really what it is. Now, I don't know if any of you can relate to my situation um, I was robbed by the time burglar called a master's degree. And when you go through things like that, you just realize I have spent all this time and energy and effort, and I have these letters now. And there are people that are not impressed by that, because unless you have letters in front of your name to go in the back of the name, well, that doesn't matter either. And unless you got a couple different periods at the end of those things, one begins with P, then, you know, you're like, no, nobody cares about that. And you start looking at how we take all this knowledge in. And Adam had talked about that in the beginning. And I really want to push to that because the kids in the room, when you start looking at your parents doing these different things 
and we're spinning our wheels as adults because we're chasing something that is never meant to satisfy God's hole in our heart, when you chase that knowledge, you end up empty. You end up looking back going, okay, so I got a buddy of mine who he has a PhD in leadership and he is $150,000 in debt. He's divorced. His kids don't talk to him. He's unemployed. Was it worth it? So think about that. Think about wisdom being knowledge applied. And I want to ask you that can you see that there's a relationship between the words of the world as compared to the wisdom of the word? And here's what I'm asking you. For our first talking point, if you guys don't have this in your notes, turn your notes over. The first talking point we're going to talk through to kind of kick this into gear. Here's what I wrote down. Who's ever read a book of wisdom, quote-unquote, on life from a secular view, like Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, own it, or Tony Robbins, not going to admit. Have you ever put into practice any of this advice? What advice have you used and why? And that's what I want some responses from you guys. What advice have you used and why? Okay, Mo said 12 steps. 12 steps. For those people who don't understand what 12 steps is, it's, it's not a secular-based. It is a faith-based model to bring people from points of addiction to points of freedom. Is that a good summary? Okay. What other advice have you guys heard from before? Somebody, if somebody says Richard Simmons jazzing with the oldies, we're not accepting that here. That's, that's not wisdom. That is not okay. Discipline equals freedom. Oh, you went Jocko on us, huh? Okay. So discipline equals freedom. For those of you who are Jocko fans, discipline equals freedom. Everybody's looking around and like, yeah, discipline equals freedom. Does discipline equal freedom? Yeah. Does the discipline equal freedom the way Jocko means or the way the Lord means? And, and then what do we care about? What are we putting our time in? And so the fact that Adam can say that and all of us are like, yeah, we all have Jocko fuel, right? The fact that we all know that means that the, the, the words of the world have permeated deeper than the truth and wisdom of the word. So if you want to have a, a boxing match between those two, that's on you. I'm telling you, God's word, which has stood the test of time, even though Jocko's in a time war right now, he's going to lose to the word of God. Amen? Amen. And no matter how disciplined he is and how free he is, he still answers and bends a knee, as the song said, to the creator of all things. The one who invented discipline. The one who gave us wisdom. So we want to talk about that. I want to spend my time, and I want to help you guys see as a buoy in the ocean that the wisdom of of applied knowledge in God's word matters infinitely more than anything else you're going to do today or tomorrow or the next day. So as I said, wisdom is knowledge applied, and we're going to see that today by comparing two different areas. The two different areas. You can see our training truths on the screen. The words from the world, like I said, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk on, in comparison on the wisdom of the word. So I want to start with our well, two training two, truths. This first one, how does the Bible teach wisdom in the area under words from the world. Now, I really, really struggled with this. I'll be honest with you. The first talking point, we talk about what did you, what kind of wisdom and advice you get from other people. Now, you're talking to like a guy who has Franklin Covey, nobility of uh, policing certification. I'm a speed of trust instructor. Blue Kurds, I got all these letters and stuff and all these certificates. But I will tell you flat out right now that there's no better place to go to explain the foolishness of this than God's word. Adam and Audrey, again, 
We talked briefly during the week, but they did not have what I was going to say. And I did not know what they were going to say. And listen how it ties in. Listen how it ties in. Because we have everything we need for life and godliness in the Bible, even examples of what not to do. So I'm going to teach you guys something here. 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 6 through 15. Now, you don't need to turn there if you don't want to, but make a note because you're going to want to write this down maybe and, and read it later this week. I'm going to read this to you. I think it's important to take time and do it. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, how do you counsel me to answer these people? Now, for some context, 931, right, students? 931, the kingdom divides because Solomon dies. And when the kingdom divides, it goes into uh, the northern tribe of Israel and the southern part of Judah. And you have these ten tribes up here and these two tribes down here. And there's going to be this conflict now. Well, this starts right here. So I want you to have context, okay? So Rehoboam was Solomon's kid. He was taken over for his dad. So verse 7 says, Then they spoke to him, saying, If you'll be a servant, the elders, if you'll be a servant of this people today, and will serve them and grant them their petition, and speak good words to them, then they'll be your servants forever. Listen to verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the elders which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. Kids, listen. If you look around the room as I take liberty here, and if you are hanging out with your friends that are just as lost and dumb as you are, and you expect them to give you the right way, you're wrong. Shame on you. I shouldn't say that. How about this? Rethink that. When you think your mom and dad, they don't know what they're doing because they're just mom and dad, we all been through some stuff. Okay? And when, when, when Rehoboam is going to go to his friends to talk about these things about wisdom, let's see what happens. So he said to them, well, what counsel do you give that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your fathers put on us? The young men who grew up with them spoke to him, saying, thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, your father made our yoke heavy, now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Wherever my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I'll add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, I'll discipline you with scorpions. Then Jeroboam and all the people, Jeroboam was representing the people coming up there, came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king had directed, saying, return to me on the third day. The king answered the people harshly, for he forsook the advice of the elders which they had given him and spoke to them according to the advice of young men. And lastly, it continues in verse 15, so the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from the Lord. It was a turn of events from the Lord that he might establish his word which the Lord spoke through Ahaziah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So here's my question. Why, why did Rehoboam not trust the counsel of the elders? The, the elders that counseled his father Solomon, which, by the way, he was considered the wisest man in Scripture. That's not my words. Those God's words says that. Why do you think Rehoboam didn't trust the elders? Why do you think? So Scott says rebellion, but why? Why, don't, why did they look at the elders and go, nah? Why does he say that? Oh, gosh, if Emma had a mic, I should just give the mic. I'm going to repeat what Emma said. Correct me if I'm wrong. They weren't telling him what he wanted to hear. You want to get past some of this wisdom problem in your own life and apply some knowledge? Get out of your own way. You are not God. Therefore, you do not have standing to spit back at God, and you want to choose your own path, more power to you. The problem you're going to have is what we see here, is that when we chase wisdom on our own, or through any other structure, there are many, listen, I've heard this said like you, there are many other paths up the mountain, 
No, they're not. They get so far and they dead end. Historic, authentic, biblical Christianity is the way, the truth, and the life as seen and modeled through the person of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Because when you start looking around, and you, you, the pride of Rehoboam, he's not being told what he wants to hear. So let me go and just find people that are going to tell me what I want to hear. Those are our buddies. There's no accountability, right? And so the push to stay popular, the push for Rehoboam in this tumultuous time to stay popular among the people, it outweighed any of the righteous counsel. And you don't really hear much about the elders after that. Why do you think that is? One of two reasons and it probably was because they went off to retire at uh, Countryside Acres like the Game of Life. Okay? They probably were just killed because they didn't tell the king what he wanted to hear. What are some other examples of biblical people that were following the world? Oh, I don't know. How about the whole book of Judges? How about the Bible from the beginning to the end? How about when Aaron was on Mount Oreb? And I'm going to read this to you. Exodus 32. This is a great example. Verses 1 through 3. Make another note. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, he had been up there 40 days, the people, 40 days, this is after they've been moving around, right? The people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. They're saying to his brother, now Aaron, the high priest, said to them, Well, tear off your gold rings within the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And it doesn't go well for those guys after that. They, they followed the wisdom of the world, which is, you know, immediate, fast. These guys were tense after 40 days. We're tense after 40 seconds. Think I'm kidding? How often do you think people stay on one Twitter feed? Five seconds. Five seconds. Forty days. Now we've got it down to five seconds. I wonder what tomorrow's going to hold. The word of God stands true and forever. A lot longer than five seconds. How about some other places? How about Saul in 1 Samuel 15? Saul chose to serve himself by gaining favor with people and not the Lord. And if you remember, Samuel rebuked Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 22. The obedience is better then sacrifice. And the Lord removed Saul as king. How about David himself we reference in 2 Samuel 24. David, given instructions from the king that he knew in Deuteronomy 17, he chose to show off his military might by having a census taken. He was told not to multiply horses, wives, or his wealth. And he did all of that. How about 1 Samuel 27 verse 1 begins... Then David said to himself, and if you know the history, this is when David was on the run from Saul, and he goes off to the land of the Philistines, and he spends 14 months killing man, woman, and child like a beast to cover up where he's at so no one will find him. 1 Samuel 27.1, then David said to himself, and eventually he's back on track in 1 Samuel 38, says, David inquires of the Lord, and then, boom, it goes back again. You see, when we, when we camp out on this point, words of the world, they don't last. They, they don't last. I'm not going to get graphic, but imagine if you had a beautiful box, ornate, just wrapped nicely and, and a beautiful bow, and you open it up, and it's a pile of dog poo. It's still dog poo wrapped up in a nice box. The words of the world can look really nice and sweet, but it is trash at the end, it doesn't lead anywhere positive. And you know this because we all have stories in our own lives that have left scars. And we wonder, well, why does this keep happening? 
Again, I'd encourage you, go to the book of Judges. And there's my brother just came in right there. I should just tell you right now, my man, there he is. He's like, hey, I had a chance to meet this brother this past week. And the wisdom of God is going to shine supreme. I'm gonna, let, me, let me continue. We are in this transition at a church right now. We're in the book of Romans. We talked first about the words of the world. But let me tell you why this connects to Romans. Romans 3, verses 10 through 18, show the foolishness of our way. I'm going to read part of this. Romans 3, 10 through 18. There are none righteous, not even one. Probably could stop there. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat's an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction, misery are in their paths. In the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God in their eyes. Turn your notes over to the second talking point. We've all been in this position before that I just read. Trusting in the world over the word. If the choice to make is opposite of the wisdom of the word, why do we all keep following our hearts? What, tell me, why do we do that? So Jan says we're saying that our way is better, but yet even though we read God's word, and you can read God's word every day and still make a comment that Jan made, that all ways, that our ways are better, does it end up that way? Michelle? Oh my goodness. There's another mic drop, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have an ability, thank you very much, I appreciate that, because we have this ability to take everything in our lives and, and compartmentalize it to fit any system that we're in. If you're a student, you view everything to how do I get to the end of the semester, right? My one son is finishing high school. My other son's finishing his first year of college. Am I wrong, boys, that you're looking for the end of those times? If you're at work, you're looking maybe as a cop. I look for the end of my shift, okay? If I'm, if I'm doing anything at all, I contextualize it to where I'm at. But God says, raise your eyes up. Quit looking, as we've seen in Scripture, at the, the, the words of the world and start looking at my wisdom. And so as we move into the second point, I just really want to hammer that point. Wisdom is knowledge applied. So we go through life and we go through these circumstances so that we can get some experience. When we apply experience that's filtered through God's word, it's knowledge. Don't be fooled. Just because you got a degree doesn't mean anything. Can you take your experiences that have given you the scars in your life, filter through God's word, and pass it on as a buoy of light to someone else? That's wisdom. So we have words from the world, and now we got wisdom from the word, and we should spend the rest of our entire life camped out on this point. You stay connected to God by applying God's truth in your life, but you can't apply God's truth unless you know God's truth. And certainly this is the time that I'm going to draw us back in a little bit to Proverbs. Think about some of these Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7 we started with. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's why I open with this. Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 19, 8, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul, he who keeps understanding will find good. So how are we doing with all of that? 
I mean, if you were just to do a basic search on the fear of the Lord, that phrase, you would find many, many, many more passages. A lot of them camped out right in Proverbs. And if you believe that the fear of the Lord, really like I submitted to you up front, is a healthy dread of displeasing God and the obedience of God, then what are you doing with that? If you know that to be true, is it wise to disobey God? See a lot of heads shaking, no, but then, you know, we're going to keep doing the things, and we end up like a bobblehead every week, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, all right, stop it. If you know what to do and don't do it, the Bible says to you, it's accounted as sin. If you want to stay out of sin, let's get right with the fear of the Lord and start talking about wisdom. And that means being in God's word. That means being men and women and children of prayer. And that means going to a brother or sister and saying, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I'm really messed up today. In my first opening that I talked about the men in their room, that guy, when he, when he started talking and he's like, you know, I was going to leave my wife and I decided not to and this is really great. We go around and hear some more stories about people. This guy says, he's like, Psh. Man, I thought I was messed up. You guys are all screwed up. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, amen. Amen. Okay? I've shared many times here, I'm a recovering alcoholic. People are like, what? Yeah. Alcohol almost destroyed my life. All right? And I'm telling you right now, just because people may have a short haircut and have a college shirt doesn't mean we got it all together. Just because you may be able, like this guy said, he, when I was talking about truth, he goes, my truth is I go week to week wondering if my lights will stay on at my house. You think about that as you're wondering how many other cars you're going to get, right? Or how many more pairs of shoes, right? Or kids, how many more Legos you want just to randomly pick something. Paul is going to use Romans 13 through 15. We talk about Romans 1 through 11. He uses 13 through 15 to demonstrate the reliance on the expected wisdom of God. He lays it out. This is the expected. He's talking about how to put into practice the wisdom of God. Look at some character profiles now of people in the Bible doing it right. John the Baptist, Matthew 3, verses 1 through 3. John the Baptist only had one focus. Listen, now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Amen. How about Paul in Philippians 3, 7 through 11? His life changed, you remember, on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. When he saw who Jesus was and it knocked him out of his saddle and blinded him, when his eyes were opened, it was open to only focus on Jesus. He says in Philippians, But whatever things were gained to me, whatever. Those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And he continues through verse 11. And again, I encourage you to read these verses that you're writing down, I hope, because that's going to help really firm up God's wisdom brought to you today. Look at Elijah. Elijah, who's... Really, one of the only, if you think about in Scripture, one of the only two guys that never died, the other one's Enoch, who was taken up by the Lord. Elijah, his sole focus was the Lord. And Elijah says in 2 Kings 2, 11 through 14, as they were going along and talking, he and Elisha, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two. He also took up the mantle 
of Elijah that fell from the ground and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took that mantle, that cloak of Elijah, that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elijah crossed over. The point of that, you think about a man whose sole focus is the Lord, that even his cloak was sanctified, that Elisha who says, I, if I can see you, go give me a double portion of your spirit, he tells his, his mentor. And he picks up the embodiment of that cloak is the wisdom of God, the fear of the Lord, and he drapes it around himself. Oh, I got little God bumps. He drapes it around himself, and he walks across the river, and then he does things that people go, oh, that's, that, 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 that's unreal. That's a miracle. And he goes, yeah, praise God. And yet even in those moments, we can stumble because we're human. And so what do you do? Sometimes I, I, I talked to somebody uh, recently, and I said, you know, we all have trauma in our lives, and trauma takes you lower than just scooping into a trough. Sometimes it takes you into a deep canyon where you're walking in mud. And then my friend said, yeah, but sometimes because of that, because you bounce on this trampoline, you bounce even higher. And I said, it's a concrete trampoline. It hurts hitting that low level. But then if God bounces you back up, if you stay anchored in his word, because you know from where you started, you will land and spring back up. And what are we doing with that? You could take away the challenges that Audra gave. You can say, okay, I'm going to build into my kids. You can, you can do what we talk about. And we say in the Bible where husband and wife need to be the embodiment of Christ in his church. You can see examples in scripture of what it means to have wisdom from the word. And if you don't know what that means, I pray, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the elders. Come talk to anybody in here that has a belief in the, the firmness of the word of God. And let's get together on this. I mean, you want to get down with Jesus? Let's get down with Jesus. Put away your video games, kids. Adults. Put away these things that we say we have to do. You don't have to do them. All right, I wasn't going to share this, but it seems like appropriate to share. So some of you know my dad was just diagnosed with lung cancer. And where we pray for my dad's salvation, because people are like, we're going to pray for his health. I'm like, you pray for his heart. You pray for his salvation. And my mom sends me a message today and says, I just want to let you know your dad accepted Christ years ago, and that's how he's able to go through all this stuff. And I say amen to that, right? I say amen to that because we are all going to face judgment. One out of one people die. Not even God math fixes that. It's God math, though, that says one out of one people can live because of the faith and trust in the redeemed son, Jesus Christ. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And you want to get down with Jesus? You take real-life stuff that traumatizes you, and you filter it against God's word and say, there's got to be a better place than a bottle. There's got to be a better place than stepping out on my, on my wife. There's got to be a better place than violence. Because all these things were modeled in Scripture, and they all ended and ended badly. And for the apostles that preached God's word, they died badly. Right? Pastor Doug said the other week, like the guy who got off light ended up being boiled in oil and exiled in Patmos. And he was, the, like, he got off light. Right? But every one of them Every one of them said, I would, they would say, I'm going to go through this again if it means I can be with my Jesus. I'm going to ask those guys that when I get to heaven because I know who I am and where I'm going. If you don't know that, you need to talk to me because all I'm going to do is concrete trampoline you right back to God's word. Okay? I bring this up a bunch, and there's a bunch of people here with whom I have relationships, but the one that's easiest to pick on because he won't yell at me instead of going, ah, will be Mo. 
When I asked Mo, I said, all these times, if, when you were buried on the Twin Towers, if it meant that you had to go through all that again to learn about Jesus Christ, would you do it? He said, amen, amen. We're not going to count all these great things in our lives as lasting because we know they don't. We know that Jocko is not going to win the time war. We know the discipline does equal freedom when it's disciplined in the, in the, in the Lord. Okay? If you look at the words of the world and you compare that with the wisdom of the word, what does that leave us with where we're at in Romans? Well, this picture I'm going to show you comes from Romans 12, 1 and 2. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, we have to have a craving for truth over lies. We've got to trust the truth. We have to do that. There's only one salvation. There's only one name that saves. There's only one point, beginning, middle, and end of wisdom. And when he comes back, the Bible says, the truth-giving life of the Bible says that every knee will bow. Good luck. Go ahead. You want to bench 500 pounds? Sweet. The Lord of God comes down on a white horse with a tat in his thigh and his spear coming, his sword of God coming out of his mouth. Good luck. Here's what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Wise living, people, is righteous living. And righteous living brings glory to God. Amen? I want to invite the music team up. We had a couple more things to go through before I get them to help enjoy what we're doing here today. But I want to ask you guys something. Can you name a book that can carve out wisdom through every area of life? Can you name any book or any source or any YouTube video or any Instagram story? I, I think that's a thing, right? Any, right? any snap books? Is that what they're called, Emma? She's like, don't talk about that. Name any one thing that gives you wisdom like the Bible that takes you beginning to end. Because you know what? A lot of people have tried, and you ask them just a little bit more to explain themselves, and they have nowhere to go. The Bible is the beginning, middle, end of wisdom. And the more you read the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and theology people, correct me if I'm wrong, the more we study God's word, the more you realize, I have a lot more to study. Amen? You have a lot more to study. When you realize what God has intentionally done since the beginning of time to end, it's crazy talk. When you take time to tie in the wisdom of God, you see the principles that lay out. And, and just, I'm picking the book of Proverbs. These are principles in the book of Proverbs. Listen, fear the Lord reverently. Have wisdom. Apply discipline, punishment, and instruction appropriately. Learn servant leadership character profiles to follow. Rely that the word of God is supreme. Rely that the work ethic that we have should reflect a godly calling in our lives. Apply wisdom handling matters of money. Guard your tongue. And lastly, recognize the foundation for living a life of wisdom can only be found at the cross. These principles can be lived out in your life as well. Now think about this. The third talking point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this and then we're going to pray. Your third talking point in the back. Decide now what person you're going to be. Are you going to chase the brass ring? Are you going to be excited when people say, I'm so happy you're here today. I appreciate you. Decide what kind of person you're going to be today, the world or the word now. If you commit to the word, commit to growing in wisdom by spending just the month of May. It starts tomorrow. The month of May, I'm going to challenge you. Read one proverb a day. 
corresponding to the day of the month. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 1. We have, I put up a bunch of daily readings for the whole week. Read Proverbs 1. Yeah, add an extra 45 seconds. Do not tell me you don't have time. I'm the wrong person to say that to. You have time. You choose to do what you want to do. So choose to get wise in God's word. Do something intentional with what you find. Journal about it. Talk about it with people you care about. But watch what the Lord does in one month of seeking after his wisdom. And then, and then like, like me, you'll start craving that. You'll crave that wisdom. And then you'll see a situation, and you'll start applying it. You'll go, well, I don't know what to say to my friend who was hit by a car. I don't know what to say to my dad who gets diagnosed with lung cancer. I don't know what to say in this situation. I don't know what, I don't want to be the husband I need to be or the dad I need to be to these boys. I don't know. But you know what? I know where to go because I know who I am and I know whose I am. And he tells me, you put your faith in me, son, and I'll take you across. And like Elijah, I drape God's word around my shoulders and there isn't an ocean that'll stand in place according to the dry land that the Lord promised me chopping through. Pray with me. Father God, what an amazing time and an amazing gift that you've given us that we have even a place to go. How horrible would it be, Lord, if, if you left us on the bridge just to fall off in the middle? That you said, that was a good joke. Trust me, and then, and then, and then, and then I don't have anything else. But you don't say that, Lord. You say, follow me. Repent and believe. And like the thief on the cross, so we sit, maybe hearing my voice or online, maybe for the first time, you say to yourself, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this problem. I don't know how to handle this situation. But maybe, just maybe, God, you have something for me. And, 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 and maybe, Lord, would you have me in your kingdom if I follow you? And the response you give is the one you gave to the thief on the cross today. You'll be with me in paradise. Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room here. I pray that we magnify what it's like to live in paradise because we're the buoys that show other people where wisdom can truly be found. That your word stands supreme and your word made flesh is the name Jesus' name above all names. And it's in that name that we pray and all God's people said.